Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. This week's special guest will join us a bit later. But first up is another great discussion on Coach's Corner. So let's introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Golf Talk Live. Um, thank you for joining me this Thursday evening. Always excited to do a show, and I'm going to take a, just a moment or two before um, I introduce the panel. Uh, a couple things. Uh, first off, uh, I had a special show yesterday, Wednesday, which is not normal for me. Obviously, the show uh, airs uh, typically um, from 6 to 8 p.m. Central here on the blogtalkradio.com network, but uh, had a very special guest, uh, Ben Sharp. Uh, president of Top Tracer and Top Tracer Range uh, was my guest. And, of course, uh, he lives now over in the U.K. So for time, schedule, and so forth, uh, it just seemed uh, appropriate to do. And it was kind of a, not, I won't say a last-minute uh, scheduling, but um, uh, it was uh, presented to me, and that was the best day to do it. So uh, if you didn't get a chance to do that, uh, after you listen to tonight's show, uh, you can always go back and go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live and just scroll down to the on-demand section. You'll see it there as well as you will see tonight's broadcast uh, a little bit later on. Uh, if you're not able to tune in live, you'll see it there in the on-demand section as well. So uh, that and uh, yesterday's show and all of the others, of course, you'll find there in the on-demand section. And then one other thing I want to mention, I, I talked about a little bit about this on uh, the Tuesday show, the Women of Golf with my uh, good friend and co-host LPJ professional Cindy Miller, uh, but we we lost a, a very good friend um, personally and also of the show, uh, PJ professional Bill Abrams, uh, who many of you who, that have tuned into the show uh, are fam- were familiar with. Uh, he was a regular uh, on Coach's Corner panel and uh, also had, had been a, a guest uh, as well as, as well as he'd been on the Women of Golf uh, show as well uh, a time or two. Uh, but anyways, uh, he recently passed away, and uh, we're very uh, sad for him and his uh, family, uh, particularly, obviously, that um, it just was very, very sudden and, and uh, not expected, and he was just a, a great uh, a great human being, a great uh, professional, and a lot of people have really been sending out their, their uh, well wishes and their love to, uh, to his family and, and friends, and we just want to say how, how uh, deeply uh, saddened we are at the loss and uh, we're certainly going to miss him here on the program. Um, but uh, rest in peace, my friend, and uh, we'll see you again one day. All right, I'm going to bring out the panel, and uh, we're going to get into tonight's discussion on Coach's Corner. Uh, first up is Paul Castor. He is one of the country's leading golf coaches, recognized by Golf Digest as one of the country's best teachers uh, since 2017, uh, twice honored by U.S. Kids Golf as one of their top 50 kids coaches, uh, Paul works with uh, golfers of all skill levels, including professionals who have competed in majors. 
Uh, 17 of his junior clients have qualified for the world uh, championships uh, held each year at Pinehurst Resort. Uh, Paul also serves on the advisory boards of Foresight Sports and 4D Motion Sports and is a Level 2 TPI certified, uh, Aimpoint Golf and Science and Motion Sports Level 3 certified Super Speed Golf Coach. Also rounding out the panel is uh, my good friend Clint Wright. He is a 30-year member of the PGA, uh, partner at TGM Golf, and a big proponent of the R3 approach. And uh, I consider to be one of the best uh, covering the short game today. Uh, and uh, one of my favorite guest panelists here on Coach's Corner. So, guys, uh, welcome to Coach's Corner here on Golf Talk Live. Glad to be here. Thanks Ted. for having us, Ted. Yep. I appreciate it. Um, all right. We're going to talk about, as I mentioned to you guys both off air, uh, we're going to talk about the short game, uh, begin a little bit with some of the fundamentals, and uh, – just because as we, we get into the summer months here, obviously in certain areas, Clint, you're uh, in an area as I am, uh, very conducive to playing golf pretty much all year round. Um, and so a lot of people have already been out there. But there's others uh, you know, up in the northeast and other areas that are, are still kind of getting out and getting their feet wet. So we want to try and help them a little bit. And short game's a great place to start. So we're going to talk about this first one here. Uh, and I'm going to start with you, Clint, if you don't mind. Uh, sure. One of the short fundamentals, uh, short game fundamentals, uh, sort of this tip number one is uh, feet open. And what I mean by that is to set up with your feet open to the target and your head in the middle of your stance. Uh, and essentially what we're trying to establish here with these fundamentals, and obviously there's a lot of variance depending on player to player, but this is generally something that's been done, I guess, uh, over the years uh, in, in sure. teaching good fundamentals. Talk about why some of the benefits of maybe having your feet open a little bit, uh, particularly with some of your short maybe pitch and, and even chip shots. Well, it, <clears throat> there, there's a, a number of reasons you'd want to do that. First of all, I think when you open up that way and you bring your feet a little closer together, you get an overall body feel of a little bit, being a little softer. It's not real rigid. You're not looking for a full swing. We see a lot of people that, that set up, look like they're going to make a full swing trying to chip the ball. So we want the, them to get a little bit softer in their body, get a little more knee flex. Opening up gives them a little bit easier way of moving the club and your arms uh, through the hitting area. If you get closed off, you know, you got to swing past yourself. So we want to make it really easy to get the club through. That way they can, you know, keep their tension level down in their hands and arms uh, to have more of a, you know, more of a pitching kind of a throwing action with the club versus a hitting action. So opening up and getting your body facing the target a little bit more, I think, helps with that feel and the softness of the shots that you may need to be hitting. Yeah, and I agree, and I, I think it helps, as you said, to clear the hips a little bit easier. That's right. Um, and with your feet together like that, it just makes it a little bit easier, uh, especially on some of those shorter shots where it's more of a right. finesse than – uh, you know, you're not trying to muscle it out mm -hmm. there any great distance. You're just trying to finesse it, uh, you know, either on the green or, or near the green. Um, right. Paul, I'm going to come with you with, with number two. And I want to, again, I'm going to explain a little bit what I'm referring to just so that there's mo no misunderstanding. Uh, sort of fundamental number two is uh, downswing starts with uh, the club, not the body. What it means by that is starting your downswing with the club, not by moving your hips. And traditionally in, in a full swing, of course, you're transitioning, your lower body engages as you're coming down. But with the um, short game, 
again, as we go back, we're not going back as far in many cases as, as we would for a full swing. So a lot of times we're allowing the club to sort of start to drop down before we actually engage a little bit of our lower body. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that, maybe explain so people understand what we're actually getting to here. Yeah, sure. I think for short shots, um, it's much more of a, excuse me, precision kind of motion. So you're not trying to advance the ball a long way. You're not trying to create a lot of speed with the club head. We don't need to create a lot of speed with our body to create club head speed. So what's the most important thing is that you hit, uh, you know, the golf ball the way you want to hit it on the part of the face where you want to hit it. Um, you hit the ground in a pretty precise spot, whether you're talking about a bunker uh, or if you're hitting a, a pitch and using the bounce. Um, and so if we have a lot of body movement off of the golf ball or through it, a lot of back and forth uh, and turning, it complicates that motion. It makes it much harder for you to to control the bottom of the swing, hit the ground in a consistent spot and contact because the motion is just so much shorter. Great point. And, and I think what a lot of it is, is, you know, we see a lot of um, people when they're in uh, making a short game swing, as I would call it. And obviously we know it's sort of a mini version of, of the big swing, but typically what happens is they get a lot of lower body action in it and, mm-hmm. you know, their knees are kind of popping out and, and what ultimately ends up happening is they end up hitting the club in behind the ball and hitting it fat, or they stand up out of the ball because they get too much body action going into it. So I think really what the idea is, what we're trying to get across here is it's all about really technique. Um, from the first point with the feet open and, and this one here, uh, you know, really allowing the club to sort of do its work, let it sort of drop naturally as, as it's starting to come through. And then, of course, your hips do will move at some point, but it's more as it's going through impact just to sort of uh, allow you to get through into a, a proper release. Um, but we see too often where players get down there and they're sort of hacking at the ball, and uh, they end up, again, sort of popping those, that lower body out in front uh, too much in a downswing with a short game uh, setup like this and end up you know, thumping into the, to the grass behind the ball. So this is why I want to talk about some of this stuff tonight because we see so much of this on the practice tee. And, and Clint, here's another one too. And this is, again, this might be confusing for some, um, but this one here is impact on plane. Um, delivering the club head into the ball on plane established by the lie of the club at address. Maybe first off, you could explain a little bit about that for those that aren't fully understanding what we're talking about here because obviously that plane is going to change and that's why we're referring to how the club lies at address. So obviously if you're uphill, downhill, what have you, it's going to change slightly. Uh Um, Talk about that impact on plane. Okay. Well, a a lot of that, like you said, will be dictated by the the lie you're dealing with, whether you're uphill, downhill, side hill. You know, the the simplest thing that that you have to do to keep the club on plane is to, to set up properly. To, you know, to understand what you're dealing with as far as the lie of the ball. And, you know, what we try to get people to understand is there's there's only two types of golf swings. There's the full swing and there's the putting stroke. So what we try mm-hmm. to get people to understand, we'll get back to this line just a minute, get them to understand is that if you don't need the full mechanisms of the full swing for distance, 
then you've got to start thinking about the mechanics of your putting stroke for distance. Because chipping is nothing more than what you may want to call a real short full swing, but you don't need the power for distance. So in reality, it's just a, a putting stroke with a different lofted club. So if we keep that in mind, as far as when you're addressing the ball, it, in order to keep the, the club on plane, what we encourage people to do is to set up as close to the ball as they can to sole the club properly with the lie. And if you're downhill we, or uphill, we encourage them to play the ball more towards their highest foot. It's not that difficult to think about it. I won't move the ball back towards my highest foot in order to keep the club on plane and level with the surface I'm playing. And then we want to accommodate our shoulders to the slope. So that means if you're going downhill, your left shoulder is going to be a little bit lower. And if you're going up the hill, your right shoulder is going to be a little bit lower. So with those two things in mind, you can pretty much work yourself through the lie angles that you have to get your body positioned to where the club will stay on plane. You don't have to keep it on there. You, you can actually set it up in your setup and how you're managing the slopes in order for your putty mechanics to swing the club back and through on plane based on your setup positions. Again, ball play towards your highest foot. The, the lead shoulder is going to be a little bit lower going downhill, be a little higher going uphill. So if you can, if you can yeah. manage those couple of ideas, then you don't have to worry about keeping it on plane. You're positioning yourself where it will stay on plane. Yep. And this goes back. That's that's an excellent point. And you know, I was visually sort of doing that in my mind because obviously this being an audio program, it's not always easy sure. sometimes to explain that. And and you guys right. are doing obviously a great job explaining what we're doing here. But you know, it it, it all starts with the setup. You know, right. I think probably a very high percentage of why so many high handicap golfer struggle is our body, believe it or not, can make these movements very naturally. A lot of times if we're not mm -hmm. setting up properly, um, those natural movements become unnatural. Um, suddenly we're not swinging on plane. We're swinging to accommodate an, in, an improper lie, uh, an improper angle that we've created in our setup. So a right. lot of times we end up you know, doing these things as a way of compensating for an incorrect position uh, from get-go. So it's very, very important. You raised a great point there is, you know, once we get set up appropriately for the shot, it, it really becomes very simple. And I think yeah, a lot ironic. of golf, right? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. It's ironic that I was working with a guy today. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, Hello? I can. Go ahead. Yeah. It's ironic yep, that we, we talked, talked about earlier today that, you don't compromise for something you can control and everybody can set up right. And you don't have to compromise. Yep. Yeah, exactly right. And and, yeah. and that's what happens with a lot of people is they don't um they don't set up correctly from the get go. Right. And a myriad of things can happen. And a lot of times that's why it's it's good to work with a, a professional uh, you know, a, a coach or or a teacher professional, if if you're uh, you know mm -hmm. wanting just to, to maybe have a lesson or two, because they're able to identify and see those things. You know, we're not seeing it ourselves when we're on the practice tee. Um, somebody has to point them out, and obviously you can shoot a video of yourself if you want, and that can help a little bit. But you know, 
the pros are designed to look for specific areas like that that we're talking about here and be able to identify and correct those. And a lot of times when they correct that, it's amazing the results that you're going to get. Um, and a lot of times players will change a myriad of other things because they think it's, well, it's, maybe it's the grip or, or you know, it's something else. Uh, you know, and they start monkeying around with different things. And the worst part is they do it out on the golf course. Um, when they're actually playing instead of working mm-hmm. it out on the practice tee. Um, and, and, you yeah. know, that's a whole different topic we've talked about. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Paul, I'm going yeah, to come back to you with, with another short game one, and that is releasing the club. Release the club. Uh, in other words, don't hold off the club head. Let it release past your lead leg. Uh, obviously, for right-handers, that would be your left, and for left, it would be your right. Maybe talk about that. That's another area, too. Um, you know, we see a lot of guys, especially even with the short shots, they come down, they kind of just thump into the ground, and they don't release the club. Touch on that a little bit. Yeah, sure. I think uh, it's also kind of understanding the direction that you release the the club face, too. Um, So, you know, if you're trying to hit a high soft shot, you want to feel like the, the club face is releasing up and almost facing you, you know, as you release the club. And that's going to sort of preserve the loft of the golf club and help you hit a nice high soft shot. But what we don't want to do is check or cut the finish off or cut your release off because if you're stopping the golf club, I mean, it's, it's a weight, it's moving. It's a weight glued to the end of a, of a stick and it's moving. And if you stop it right after you've hit the shot, you've started to put the brakes on probably through impact at some point you're slowing the club down with your body and that's not going to produce the best impact situation that you can, that you can achieve. So you really just want the energy of the club to flow out naturally during the swing, let it hit the ground, you know, just let the energy of the head kind of run out with soft arms. And most of the time you're going to hit much better shots. Um, there are only a couple of little specialty shots around the green where you might, you know, experience like some recoil or, you know, stopping the finish. But the vast majority of chip shots, pitch shots, soft shots that you can try to hit around the green, you want the, you want to let the energy of the club just kind of run out and keep your arms nice and soft. Yeah, and, and you're exactly right. There are going to be situations where you you might stop uh you know example if the, if the ball is up against the lip of a bunker i mean obviously you don't want to come in there and 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 hurt yourself so a lot of times you kind of just it's a thumping motion where that might be applicable uh but more often than not as you said you need to release the club and and for a higher shot you're going to uh you know see that the face is more open and 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 pointing upwards um and you know understanding that again from the get go is going to help you uh hit the shots with more consistency, uh, but more importantly, get the desired results that you're looking for. Um, Clint, here's some other things that a lot of golfers, I think, fail to overlook. And this is one that really kind of applies generally for the overall uh, game, if you will. Uh, But sort of softening your hands for chip shots. Uh, A lot of uh, novice golfers uh, kind of have a, a, a death grip on the club. And particularly for, you know, chip shots or more of your finesse shots around the green, the last thing you want to do is have a death grip. Talk about really what what a golfer should feel, what their grip should feel like, um, particularly for something like a chip shot. Sure. 
Well, <clears throat> we start out with them asking the question that you do know that part of this game is not to fling the club down the fairway. You're not going to let go mm-hmm. of it. Okay. So what we try to do is to start them off at a baseline. I take the club. You hold it. I want to be able to turn it in your hands. Okay. That loose. I want to set a baseline. And they just get us one of their playing partners to do this. And so when you're setting it down on the ground to hit a shot, that's the grip pressure I want you to have. That's what we're going to start at. And then I want you to swing, and I want you to do everything you can do not to allow that tension in your hands to increase. It's going to, just for pure fact, as the club picks up speed, you're going to hold it a little tighter just naturally because you're not going to let the club go. So we work very hard to set a baseline of here's what it is. You have to experience it. It's like learning to ride a bicycle. You just can't teach somebody how to the, the pressure. They have to feel it. So we try to establish that totally relaxed baseline and then move it up to where we find that they have, a, have some confidence that the club is going to work for them. But what we try to do is to work at that baseline, but, but then encourage them that the whole purpose of swinging it is not to allow the tension to increase. The purpose of this stroke is to keep that tension in your hands equal. doesn't change. That's the purpose. And then you start getting a person with that tension out of their hands, their arms relax, their shoulders relax, and you begin to start seeing a little bit of a rhythm and flow to those pitch shots. And mm-hmm. it's an experience-based thing. As soon as they see that ball loft out and the toe's not kicking over and dribbling it into the ground, there, there's that moment for them to say, oh, I got it now. I have that feel. And uh, mm-hmm. so you, that, that's the purpose. So what we try to do is encourage them when they go play is to pick the shot they want, try to determine the distance that they want to go with their arm swing, but the purpose of them swinging in is not to let the grip pressure increase and you begin to see better success on the course as well. So we yep. try to make that the purpose for moving the club, is to maintain a soft hand and uh, not, not allow that tension to give that little jerk motion at the bottom, you know, that, that'll, that we all have sometimes. But we want the purpose of the stroke to be able to maintain grip pressure, whatever it is, but we want it soft to begin with to keep it that way. And that, that's the simplest way we can get to them, uh, is simply try to establish the baseline and then maintain it. Great point. Um, and, and, you know, just to add, the other thing, too, is you want to be able to feel the club head. You want to feel what the club head is sure. doing, where it is. And you can't do that if you're, you're all tensed up. Um, and that obviously applies even more so in the full swing. But you want to even be able to feel it in, in a shorter swing when you're pitching or or chipping uh, a shorter distance, you want to be able to feel what the club head is doing, and you can't do that mm-hmm. if you've got that death grip. So just That's remember, right. softer hands, particularly for your chip shots, but really for all shots, you want to have those softer hands so you can actually feel the club head and what it's doing. Um, Paul, I'm going to come back to you, and, and here's something too. You know, I talked about uh, in one of the other tips, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, starting the downswing, if you will, with the uh, you know, with the club and, and not the body. And there's certainly an element of truth to that. Um, but there also is a certain element of body, uh, body rotation. Um, 
And this is something, too, that we see a lot, um, even in the short game, if you will, where people get into more of a sliding uh, motion as opposed to actually making a proper turn uh, as we go into a backswing. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about that. How do we find that balance of, of rotating the body as opposed to just sort of sliding our hips across or, or sliding our, our lower body across uh, in, in the downswing and even in the follow-through? How do we kind of find that? How do we know what to do at the right time? And what are some, maybe a good drill um, that will help you get that feeling proper? I think in the, in the short game, it's really important to understand the difference between the pressure in your feet and the, and the rotation of your body. Um, mm-hmm. And we definitely need to rotate our, especially our upper body. Um, and, you know, but I would say you want to be aware of what your feet are doing. And we, if we're making a swing or a stroke that's half or less uh, time than, you know, a full swing takes, you cannot be shifting the pressure in your feet back and forth and still coordinate that motion and expect to hit the ground in a consistent spot. So you really want to feel like your pressure is on your front foot um, and a really simple drill that you don't really need a lot of training aids to do um, would be you take a range ball and step on it so half the golf ball's kind of uh, under the ground and put that half golf ball uh, that's, that's up above the ground under the outside of your rear, your trail foot so so that it's just kind of giving you a reminder that your your right foot, you need to have the pressure on the inside of that right foot. Most of your weight should be on your left leg. When you're making these short game swings, you really want to feel like your chin is basically staying right over the golf ball and you're just turning your chest back and then turning your, your body through the shot and feeling like the, the club stays in front of you essentially the whole time like we were talking about before to yeah i think that's a great point and i love that drill because it's easy to do um you know you can stick a golf ball as you said under that trail foot for uh right-handed golfers out of course your right foot left-handed golfers would be your left foot that would be your trail in that case Um, but that's a great drill because that really helps you feel and get a proper turn as opposed to swaying back into the backswing and even for the short game you know as we're moving the, the upper body back into a good position if you're swaying your body gets out of sync and it's very difficult to get back to the ball uh, and and make a good crisp clean hit uh, even on a short uh, chip shot uh, so it's important to make sure that your body is working in unison correctly Clint another thing too which we see a lot of uh, golfers that I kind of mentioned earlier kind of taking a stab at things sometimes and and uh, doing all kinds of funky things one thing that we need to do is be able to find and and duplicate a good tempo in our swing what are some things that you've found to be successful in helping golfers to feel and and obviously every golfer's tempo is going to be different than another's but are some things that you've worked with over the years that have really helped golfers get a good tempo especially with their short game well, I think you can rotate this back into the, the last question about tension and grip pressure. Um, mm-hmm. Is that if you got it, you know, that real tight, you're going to be quick and stabby looking. Um, and so that's where we would start to for rhythm. But you've made a point. Rhythm is individual. 
mm-hmm. so it, it's important uh, that whoever the, the student is working with uh, does some investigating about what the bot, their personal rhythm is. Are they a little quicker? Are they a little slower? What it may be. And then try to find a path to get the body to relax enough, breathe a little bit, in order that they can use that rhythm. You know, I have a fairly slow rhythm with the short game, but a guy I play with a lot has got a little quicker rhythm. So, and both are successful. So I, I'm not so sure that it comes down to having a, a slower rhythm or pace, but I think it really comes down to cutting the tension level from the ground all the way to, to the, the grip pressure in your hands, and then find the find your rhythm. And, and mm-hmm. there's a number of different drills, you know, you can try. I think it's a little bit of trial and error uh, that's involved, and I think this is where that individual student and teacher relationship becomes extremely important uh, in the short game. And full swing, too, is to identify where the student feels comfortable with rhythm. But neither, whether it's quick or slower or in between, the real important issue is the tension in, in the body and the hands and the arms, because no matter what your body rhythm is, it's not going to be consistent if, if you have a high level of tension between your hands and the grip of the club. Uh, so I guess the, the point I'm making is that I, I think that people should be very careful to try to mimic somebody else's rhythm. I think, right. they, mimic, I think they need to mimic the way that that person may have found their rhythm and what works best for them. And, and that's, a, a, again, a little trial and error. But once you recognize it and you feel comfortable with it, then it's a matter of you finding how you got there. Go back down that path because that's the one you want to use when you're out playing is, okay, this is how I get to that comfortable zone to where I can maintain that rhythm that I found works best for me. So be careful not to try to mimic somebody else's rhythm uh, within the short game particularly. Yeah, and that's a that's a great point as well, Clint. Um, you know, because we see so many golfers come out; they're watching their favorite player on TV, and they're saying, uh-huh. "Well, you know, we're about the same height and same build, and you know, can I can you get me to to, to swing like you know Nick Faldo, or can you get me to swing mm-hmm. like you know Seve Ballesteros or, or what have you?" Um, but what they don't factor in is exactly what you're talking about. We all have different body rhythms and obviously shapes and sizes. And you have to find your own. Now, it's okay to take certain uh, qualities that you may see there and how they're arriving at, uh, uh, you know, at the golf swing. But to actually try to mimic somebody else, uh, more often than not, is, is going to be very difficult. Because you don't know their flexibility. Obviously, tour pros are, are very much more flexible than their average golfer. They're typically, for the most part, are probably in, in you know, very good shape, especially nowadays uh, with so many of them working out in the, in the uh, uh, trailers and so forth and that. So they're in very, very good shape, very athletic golfers today. So for somebody that's, you know, in their 50s and 60s and beyond, particularly it, for them to try to mimic, you know, some of these young guns is just not going to work. So we have to find that's what correct. works best for them. And there's certain, there's certain fundamentals that are true for everybody. And obviously impact position is impact position. It doesn't matter who you are. Uh, but how you get there may be a different uh, beast, if you will, so we have to be careful of that, and that's a great point that you raised because we all have heard this, all three of us and many of the others that have been on the show, 
somebody comes out to the range and said, make me look like so-and-so, well, <laughs> you know, if I had a magic it wand, happened. I could turn yeah, you into that. <laughs> you know what I'm mean? yeah. yeah, you know saying? So it's not going to – yeah, exactly. Um, I wish, but, you know, it, that's not how the world works. Um, Paul, it, it, something else, too, that a lot of people are confused at, and I'm just going to, again, give a general uh, term here, and then I'll let you run with it. Uh, but there's ways that, you know, the bounce of the club. We always hear about the bounce. Uh, people don't really understand that. And uh, there's really, uh, uh, when used properly, the bounce can be your friend, so to speak. Um, talk about really, oh, yeah. and again, I know we can't see it here, but that's something that's, you know, everything from bunker shots to, you know, around the green, people don't use the clubs properly and they don't understand what really the purpose or the benefit of the bounce is on the club. Talk us through it a little bit, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, so the bounce angle on the club is basically the angle between the the bottom of the golf club, the, so the trailing edge of the sole and uh, the leading edge, if you were to sit the club straight up and down on a flat surface. Um, and some wedges are made with a bigger bounce angle and wider soles, narrower soles. And the bounce angle is all – it's it, the 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 sole configuration, the way the sole is ground, and the bounce is, is all designed for certain kind of turf, certain kinds of shots. Uh, so a club with more bounce is going to be more useful out of um, softer, uh, lusher fairways, rough sand. A club with less bounce is probably going to be a little bit more useful off of tight lies um, and firmer sand. Um, but the, you know, what the bounce really allows you to do is is if you use it properly during in your technique, it allows you to make mistakes and not have to be quite so precise and hit nice, high, soft shots around the green um, uh, with a, a fair amount of leeway uh, in terms of where you land the club. So we're using the bounce like a rudder. It basically glides along the turf underneath the golf ball. And so if you have soft turf with lots of grass, and, uh, you know, there's more use for the bounce. There's more room for the bounce. So you can have a wedge that has a little bit more bounce and, and just hit the ground right underneath the golf ball, and the club will basically skip right under the ball. Um, and it actually is it's a much easier way to play shots uh, than trying to mm-hmm. kind of squeeze the leading edge, squeeze the leading edge underneath the golf ball. Uh, so a couple of friends of mine have writ- wrote a book, uh, Dave Wedzik and Eric Barzadsky and, and they called it the glide. And I think that that mm-hmm. is actually, that's a much better way of, of describing it um, than maybe the bounce. Um, because what we're trying to do is get the glide to get the club to glide along the turf under the ball. Yeah, it's a, and it's great. Uh, and I know both of those gentlemen, um, you know that that is a really excellent point because this is something that a lot of people get confused on, and you know there are certain clubs that are going to be advantageous in various different lies and different circumstances, and the bounce plays a role. If you, as you pointed out, if you're you know if you're on a tight fairway and and um, you know you're using something with a lot of bounce, um, you're not going to be able to get as an effective shot. And a lot of times, what we see. 
uh, is a lot of, especially our senior golfers, you'll see them uh, tilt the, uh, the shaft of the club so far forward that they're actually digging the leading edge uh, in, mm-hmm. and that's not you know, going to help them. So again, you want with that more bounce, you want to use something like that in a more lush uh, setting, whether it be rough or, or even a more lush fairway or even in a bunker. And obviously, conversely, something that has a little bit less or uh, bounce, then that's going to be something in, in a tighter, uh, you know, situation where you want to be able to u- utilize that bounce correctly. So this is something that a lot of golfers really miss the boat on. So I like the way that you explained it. You kind of really opened it up and gave an example of really the differences and the different uses in that. So hopefully that'll help a, a few of the listeners out there. Clint, I'm going to step into an area I know you like to talk about, and that's uh, – as we walk onto the putting green, because that's part of the short game as well. Uh, uh-huh. or uh, Some people refer to it as the dance floor, depending on, on who you talk to. Um, a couple things I would like for you to do, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, you talked about years ago on the show about sort of creating a benchmark in your, in your right. uh, practice, if you will. Uh-huh. Maybe you could go, you don't have to do it verbatim because I know it was a few years back and, you know, you're a little older now, so I don't know if you'll remember everything you said. Hey, but, me, um, but just, give me a break, all right? Give me a break. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but just give us a little idea of, of some ways that, you know, um, uh, again, maybe from a, a practice standpoint and then maybe for, for those folks that are, you know, uh, have got around this weekend and they want to practice their sure. putting, maybe something that they can do that's going to help them be a little bit more successful out on the golf course. So let's start with the practice Absolutely. session, how they can do that. Go ahead. Okay. Well, it, it, it's real, real simple. It's an interesting fact to me that whenever we get out 100 yards, we get these $400 range finders. We know exactly how far away we are, and we know exactly what club to hit. But when we get up on the putting green, we don't have a clue how far away we are. So one of the things that I get – people to begin to understand is is that you once you have a basic putting stroke, we're going to assume that they can roll the ball reasonably well, okay, good fundamentals, is that we mm-hmm. want to try to develop three benchmark strokes. I encourage people to have one that goes just slightly inside their back foot, one to their back foot, and one slightly beyond the back foot. And then wherever that goes, we want to step that off. Let's say that the the inside of the right foot rolls 10 feet today. And this will change from day to day. So practice sessions, you have to begin to learn how to do it, but this is really a key factor when you go play this afternoon, uh, how you can begin to particularly lag putt much better. Because generally speaking, three putts don't come from missed three-footers. It comes from not getting it three feet to the hole. It comes from lagging the ball five feet, okay? So what we want to understand is is how far the ball rolls today from inside the right foot, on the right foot, and outside. You step those off. Those are your benchmark strokes. How far they go each day will be changed from day to day. But what we want to do is be able to find out what those three strokes will do on flat surface on the putting green. Now, if you're playing the same course every day, you're most likely going to be pretty close. But the three benchmark Mm -hmm. strokes never change. What effect they have will change day to day. So from a playing standpoint, you you see people go, I want to hit a few putts before I start. I'm yet to find out or figure out what they're doing. Because I just see them go lay a ball three feet in the hole and putt three footers. I do not understand how they're going to use that 
when they get out on the golf course. But what I do right. understand is, is I find the flat spot on that green, and I go test my benchmark strokes for today and understand how far the ball rolls based on those three benchmark strokes. Then when I walk up onto the green, I'm not going to wait till it's my turn. As I'm walking to my ball, I'm going to count the steps. I'm going to mark. I'm going to figure out how far away I am. So now, if I've got a 25 footer, and today my outside my right foot goes 20, now you see I got something to work with. I got to go a little bit past mm-hmm. my benchmark stroke to get it to go 25. And we all know that from 20 to 25 feet away you're going to roll that ball within a three-foot path to that hole. So you've got 18 inches mm-hmm. on either side. And if I've got proper distance, I've got tap-ins all day. I think they call them no-stress two-putts. That's, <laughs> that's what the benchmark strokes will help you get to, is getting proper distance, because I just don't believe that the average reasonably good 90 shooter can't roll the ball down a three-foot path towards the hole. So distance control and understanding, there's no guesswork here. Okay, once you know your distance off those benchmarks on flat ground, then you'll make some adjustments on uphill, downhill. But those are, those are judgment calls based on the day. But the benchmark strokes never change as far as the path that the putter takes. What effect they have is based on the day-to-day. And if you'll get those things, it's amazing how much more relaxed you'll get over a putt when you know your benchmark stroke is going to get it go far enough, then guess what you can do? You can begin to concentrate more on a good line, and the balls you get better chance of it going in. You know, I don't think it's a real secret why most of your tour players they make a lot of birdies by percentage because every not every putt, but the majority of the putts they have for birdie goes by the hole mm-hmm. because we never see it on television. But before they get up over it, I'm pretty sure they know how far away they are and what their benchmark strokes will do. And that just gives them a better chance. And if the average player can take that philosophy and begin to gather that data and information before they go play, then they have a much better chance of understanding how hard they need to hit it based on those strokes. Benchmark it, go day-to-day, and you've got a better chance of getting proper speed. Yeah, and and I think the simpler you can keep it, and that's why I like why I wanted you to repeat that. Yeah, the simpler you can, and and really, golf is a lot simpler than what sometimes we make it out to be. It, it certainly, you know, we're not going to lie. It it can be a tough game, but more often than not, the reason it can be difficult is not whether you can hit or you can't hit the ball. It's because we don't have the right information we need to execute the shot that we might be dealing with. Mm-hmm. And once we have that information or that knowledge and we understand why things work the way they do, and I don't mean getting into all the biomechanics and all that. I mean, it's right. interesting, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about that. But as you just pointed out, think about how much more successful somebody would be out on the putting surface if, uh, you know, in any given round if they had that, those benchmarks already established uh, before they got to the first tee for that particular day. Um, you know, knowing those distances um, before they, you know, get out there in that round, because that's where really a lot of them are losing their strokes. Most people can get to the green in two to three shots, most cases, unless it's a real novice mm-hmm. player. 
but once they get on the green, as you said, we're seeing a lot of three putts and in some cases even four putts. Um, and it's because they don't know how far, um, you know, they're hitting the, the, the ball and, you know, on the putting surface, how far it's going to roll. And they're just guessing at it. And when one doesn't go the distance they want, then they, they try to compensate the next day. Oh, well, that one didn't go very far, so that means I've got to take it back. Or what they'll do is, well, that was just too slow of a stroke, so I've got to speed it up. And then next thing you know, they're all over the place. One's going way past mm-hmm. the hole. One's falling up way short. And they're just not doing that. So I like that, that benchmark uh, drill, if you will, in, in understanding how far your distances you are um, and doing that. And I think it's an easy one to really uh, come up with. Paul, I want to yeah. do something for you. So thank you for that, Clint. Paul, I want to yeah, do something welcome. a little bit different. Uh, Clint uh, sort of uh, alluded to to a little bit, you know, talking about, you know, 100 yards out and now we're approaching the green. I think what I would like for, for you to do is maybe to create kind of a scenario of, of you know, when we're approaching the green. We'll use the shorter, let's say 100 yards in, uh, is, is going to be your benchmark to work with, and you can give an example or two. But what should people be looking at? One of the mistakes we see, and I'm just going to lay out a little bit of a foundation and you can take it from there. We see a lot of golfers, um, you know, the better players, understandable, but the not-so-good players are trying to go for it all the time. They see the, the pin right there and think, okay, I'm going to go for the flag, and there may be a lot of trouble around. So what should we be looking at? When we're standing 100 yards or maybe 75 yards out from that green, First off, what should we be looking for? What should we be looking at? And what should we be considering? Um, again, depending on our level of play, what would be the smarter play in many cases, given different circumstances? Well, I think a good number to keep in your head would be that uh, about 17 to 18 feet, depending on the year, is the average proximity to the hole on the PGA Tour from about 100 100 to 105 yards. And so if you're, if the best players in the world are hitting it, um, you know, six yards from their target on both sides of the flag from a hundred yards with, which is probably for, for those guys, uh, the, for PGA tour players, it's a 56 or a 58 degree sandwich for most of them. Um, we don't really have any business hunting for flags. Uh, and, you know, if you have a little bit of, uh, you know, if you have a, even just a 50 or a 60 yard shot, um, you can probably assume that your chances are a little bit better to, to knock it tight, but you have a, you have to be aware of where the, the flag is. You have to be aware of what the slopes are around the flag. There are a lot of ways to hit shots close to the hole that don't involve just trying shooting the flag with a laser, getting the yardage and trying to land the ball hole high, hitting it straight at the flag. Um, so you can, you can aim to the side of a flag, take advantage of a slope, and by basically reading the shot like a putt, end up having a much higher percentage shot because you were able to aim more toward the center of the green rather than trying to hit at a corner or side full location. Um, because remember, you know, 17, 18 feet is, that's on both sides of the hole. So they know that they have a window that's 
you know, that's 12 yards wide on both sides of the hole that they could miss a shot. So we have to be realistic about how accurate we are with our wedges, and it makes a lot of sense to aim just a little bit one way or the other, especially when the holes are cut close to the edge of a green, so that you can give yourself a little bit of leeway for a mistake and still have a reasonable putt for for a birdie on a par five or, you know, on maybe a short par four or something like that. That's an excellent point, and I thank you for for pointing that out because that, that statistic out from the PGA Tour because you know there are so many factors. Obviously, every situation is different. Uh, every uh, approach shot is going to be different. You may have trouble in front, trouble in behind. But you mentioned something too, what I want to just very quickly touch on, and that is the slope uh, of the green. What's happening where the the pin is cut? You know, a lot of times we see. You, you know, again, you, if you're not familiar with the course, especially if you're playing a course for the first time and you obviously haven't had a chance to get out there and see it, um, you know, you might have a pin that's cut in the back, but it may be on a downslope. So you don't want to fly the ball back to the pin and have it roll off the back of the green, especially if maybe there's a pond in behind. So, you know, positioning is everything and understanding your environment. And obviously, I think first and foremost is understanding your limitations, that's the first and foremost thing. It doesn't matter what, what's out there, what trouble you may be faced with. If you're not somebody that, that knows the distances that, of each club that you're hitting and, and can do it with confidence and with regularity, you're exactly right. You have no business trying to go, you know, as we call it, pin-seeking uh, from hole to hole because you're just going to end up winding in trouble. And that's where we see so many golfers get themselves into trouble is to think, well, okay, you know, it's in the back or it's in the front. So I, I know I can't go for it. And they don't really understand some of the points that you just brought up. So I thank you for doing that because you're right. If the best players in the world have that margin of error, if you will, um, you know that the rest of the folks out there have even a bigger margin um, that they can work with. So understanding those factors going into it are going to help you a little bit more. The last thing I want to ask both of you and just, you know, for your opinions on this is, you know, for some of our better players that are, are generally having a pretty good time, and I don't want to, you know, get into scratch players or things like that, but maybe somebody that's a 15 or 10 handicap that really wants to take their short game to the next level. They're, they're playing pretty good golf uh, consistently, but they're looking for that edge on how they can bring it to that next level, uh, particularly their short game. Um, Clint, I'm going to come to you. What are some things that you can think of, or maybe one thing particular that could take that 10 or 15 handicap player to that next level um, with their short game? And then Paul, I, same for you. Yeah, real quickly. One of the things that, uh, that from the beginning is from that hundred yard shot that we're talking about, you just get it on the green. Mm-hmm. That's the objective, put the ball on the green. And so what we try to do to get a person to understand how they're going to play their short game, first of all, we need to analyze what they're doing now. You know, how are you trying mm-hmm. to play? You know, if let's call, you know, I really don't particularly call it the short game. We, we talk talking about third shot. You know, mm-hmm. how are you hitting your third shot on each hole? Is it your putters? Is it your wedge? What, what is it? And let's find out how efficient you are 
with your third shot clubs. And generally a 10 or 15 handicapper, we're talking about sand wedge, pitching wedge, and a putter. So let's analyze see how efficient you really are and where we mm-hmm. actually need to work. Because you may be a real good putter. But on the other hand, you're, 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 you're putting way too much pressure on your putter because your wedge game around the green is insufficient. So we'd be wasting our time trying to improve your putting. We need to spend all of our time over here beginning to develop a uh, reservoir of type of shots that we can hit. The biggest trouble I think you see with the 10 or 15 handicappers, they just really don't have a library of shots that they feel comfortable with. So we try right. to go as, okay, let's, let's get a library of shots that you can hit and understand how to hit those shots. We want to have a bump and run. We want to have a, you know, kind of a check, hit and check shot. We want to get the flop shot. We want to figure out what club is best for me to hit a little bump and, you know, a little pitch and run, not a bump and run around the greens, but, you know, a 30-yarder that hits short and runs up, you know. We want to get a library of shots that we feel comfortable with. Then you can begin to determine which one of those shots give you the best chance of getting the ball around a reasonable percentage make range of the hole. Uh, So the first step I would do with a 15 handicap or 10 that wanted to go to single digits is we have to begin to understand why you're not successful now. Let's analyze it. And then once we understand where we're at, we can then begin to fill in the gaps in your weak spots. Most people I see, the weak spots is they do not have a library of shots that they're comfortable with that they can call on when they need it. They try to make it up right then. Okay, I'm not right. a big fan of making something up. I want to have it, then determine which one will give me the best chance, and then go, I'm making up distance at that point. But I'm not making up a technique or a shot when I'm, you know, 20 yards off the green or two yards off the green, I've determined what shots I have that gives me the best chance of being successful with that shot right then. And what we want to encourage people to do is with that library of shots, we want to take pressure off the putter. Okay? You know, the whole idea that, that most good putters are good chippers because they chip it close enough they can't miss. So we want to take mm-hmm. the pressure off the putter. So I want to understand, do not rely on your putter to make all those six-footers. Okay? We want, to, we want to take the pressure off the putter. So we want that library of shots. And unfortunately, a lot of places that people play these days don't have a place that they can get out and do that. So I would encourage them to seek out practice area, uh, anywhere, you know, and I hate to say this, but maybe late in the day out on the course, just to be the last mm-hmm. person out and, and find those shots, okay? I mean, I don't want people going out, to, but sometimes that's the only place they've got. Uh, so be the last person out and go out and hit those shots. Forget about hitting full shots. Just go from green to green or, or whatever. But the library of certain shots that you can call on is imperative for you to be able to improve your short game and take the pressure off your putting. That's a great, great um, point. Um Paul, I, I know you, I'm sure, probably agree uh, with, with what Clint's talked about, but is there anything else that you want to add as well from your perspective uh, or anything different that you want to add uh, about how you know, somebody in that range, that sort of 10 to 15 uh, range, can maybe step their game up a little bit uh, in the short game? Yeah, sure. I think uh, Clint did a great job 
Um, you know, the, the things that came to mind while I was listening to him um, has to do with kind of how you spend your time. And I think what the average 10 or 12 handicap might not realize is that they are actually much better ball strikers than they think they are. Um, mm-hmm. And that they need to be uh, more versatile and kind of usually change the distribution of time that they spend practicing things. So most of the golf facilities where I've spent time in my life, people spend a lot of time on the driving range and not a lot of time in the short game areas and, and on the putting green. Um, And so if you, if you spend your time trying to come up with a a variety of shots, like Clint was saying, the, the library of shots, it doesn't have to be the most extensive library but we need to feel comfortable with how to hit a high soft pitch, how to hit a running chip, how to maybe bump the ball into a slope with a hybrid, simple things like that that will allow you to just get around the golf course and and hopefully not end up feeling like I just don't have this shot and therefore you're going to make double kind of automatically because you can't, Mm -hmm. you're going to hit it to 30 or 40 Mm -hmm. feet when you miss a green. Um, I would also just say get very comfortable with just a handful of golf clubs. Try not to change the golf club a lot, you know. So um, for me, my nine iron, my sand wedge, and my lob wedge are my go-to short game clubs, and I know how fast the golf ball is going to come off of those golf clubs, and I know how it's going to react. And those are the clubs, and, I've, you know, maybe that hybrid bump and run chip you know, but those are kind of my, my you know, standard stock short game clubs, and I want to be very comfortable and familiar with those. So make sure you spend enough of your practice time working with uh, a few golf clubs that you can be really friendly with and you get really used to how the ball comes off those clubs, the speed, the spin, and then you can start to adjust and, and start planning game planning the right way when you have these short game shots yeah that's an excellent point paul and a great way to end this segment um much like as clint pointed out uh, having those benchmarks on the putting surface you need to have that with your short game and other areas as well and understanding the distances and the reactions that you're going to get with the various clubs when you get those dialed in uh to what they um what you need them to be for you you're going to have a much better and much more well-rounded short game Uh, all the way and and as Clint pointed out you don't want to put that added pressure on your putter you might be a great putter but if you're putting all the pressure on there and your other parts of your game uh, your chipping and so forth uh, are really lax um, you're not going to be able to take it up to that next level so great points guys Um, I I enjoyed tonight's discussion a little bit different uh, areas of the short game that we talked about here tonight that we typically don't uh, always cover and I know uh, it's not always easy, again, when you don't have the visual cues to, to sort of set things off, but I think you guys did a great job in, in explaining it uh, that, that people could get it in their in their mind's eye, if you will. Uh, very quickly, Clint uh, and Paul, uh, in that order, uh, how can the folks reach out if they want to get in touch with you and uh, either work with you or maybe just uh, have some questions for you? Sure, Ted. Uh, Paul, it was a pleasure. I mean, this was a great show. Um, and... They can get a hold of me at uh, clintgoff001 at yahoo.com, or they can do the third shot uh, uh, golf on Facebook. Give me either way. 
Perfect. Enjoyed it too, Clint. Thank you. Yeah, I uh, had a great time. And um, if anybody would like to reach out, uh, I have a website, paulcastergolf.com. Um, and I'm also on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram as paulcastergolf as well. Perfect. Well, guys, thank you very much, uh, as always, for stepping up and doing a great job tonight on Coach's Corner. I appreciate it very much, uh, giving of your time. And I know we're all busy out there each and every day out in the, out in the lesson tee, as it were. And I know it's not always easy to, to get back home in time to do the show. So I really appreciate you guys uh, uh, coming on here each and every month. And I look forward to the next time uh, we get together here on Coach's Corner. So have a great weekend, guys, and, and much continued success out there. You as well, Ted. Take Thank care. you, Ted. Great to be here. Thank you. All right. All right. That was uh, Paul Castor and Clint Wright on the Coach's Corner panel tonight. Uh, as always, did a great job, and I appreciate it. All right. Before I uh, introduce tonight's special guests, Let's hear a quick message from Golf Tips Magazine. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple to follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe today. All right. Um, welcome back. And I'm excited to have tonight's guest, uh, John Novosel. He is the sales and marketing consultant for Bushnell Golf. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about him. He's actually been with them for 20-plus uh, uh, years. Additionally, he has uh, also worked and consulted with golfers of all abilities, including major winners on the PGA and LPGA Tour, uh, nationwide uh, tour players as well as top amateurs uh, right through to beginners. Uh, his teaching puts an emphasis on the golfer achieving a consistent tour tempo and maximizing club head speed at impact. And at 51 years old and 170 pounds, he can generate club head speeds of 135 miles an hour and ball speeds of 193 miles per hour. Uh, he has competed in world long drive events. His longest drive in competition is 402 yards. Uh, he's also certified uh, with TPI as a, a golf fitness instructor, uh, also a golf professional and golf biomechanist. Uh, also, he is certified with the SSC Golf Swing as a level one speed and power instructor, and level two spine engine instructor as well. So please welcome my very special guest uh, from Bushnell Golf, John Novosel. Good hey, evening, John, and welcome to Golf Talk on. Live. Uh, my hey, pleasure. Appreciate you having uh, me on. It's an honor to have. Not a problem. I appreciate it very much. Um, so, John, let me uh, let me just start before we get into some of the specifics. I know, I mean, you guys have at Bushnell have so many great, great products, and you are literally the leader uh, in, in that area of technology. And I know you've got some new products that have hit the shelves and or are hitting the shelves, and I want to start with those, and then we'll maybe talk a little bit about uh, the industry in general, where you see it going as far as technology is concerned, and where you see Bushnell uh, sort of fitting uh, that bill, if you will. So, one of the things that I wanted maybe get talk a little bit about, well, actually, let me back up a little bit first before we do that. 
Um, I, I like to, especially for somebody that's never been on the show before, to talk a little bit about how they got introduced to golf, um, by who, you know, sort of at what age, and um, what was your interest in golf before you got into it on a professional level? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, like a lot of <laughs> golfers, that's a great question. My dad introduced me to the game uh, way back when I was, you know, five, six years old and um, got hooked on it, played tournaments and all those types of things. But, um, you know, I'm just one of those typical things of father son uh, relationship and, and getting started that way. And, and, you know, you mentioned some of those things in my bio and I, I was really early addicted to hitting it far. I always thought that was the coolest thing to be able mm-hmm. to hit it far. And so that was one of my big passions was to uh, right. be able to hit the golf ball far. And, and it kind of ties back to always, to, you know, I always tie everything back to Bushnell because we always hit Bushnell. We're going to answer that question. How far that's our question. We're going to answer for the golfer. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, the power game, especially for, for, for guys is, is in the forefront. We all want to hit it further. We all want to know what do you got to do to hit it further and, uh, you know, we're, we're looking for that, that, that secret sauce, if you will, or that magic wand that's going to give us that long game. And there's a lot to it. And you obviously, as I mentioned in, in the opening uh, credits here, that you uh, were involved in, in long drive championships as well. Again, before we get into some of the products at Bushnell, talk about, if you wouldn't mind a little bit, what it is that you've found. It's not a secret, but there's obviously a, a certain method and a certain understanding of, of the golf swing in itself and, and how everything puts together that helps you get that distance. So if you were speaking to the audience, which you are, uh, and you wanted to give some, some tips, if you will, on how to really ramp up some distance in your golf game, what would be some of those tips that you might uh, give them? Yeah, absolutely. I think the very first tip is to be athletic and then and, and look at the greatest players of all time, like Tiger and Sam Snead and these guys, and they were all super athletic and swing athletic. And if you do that, that's going to help you create that power. I think if you look at Bryson DeChambeau right now, um, and you can sort of mm-hmm. compare his swing now to a few years ago, you just see all this athleticism in there. Yes, he's gained weight. Yes, he's doing all these things, but it just looks athletic um, compared to the other swing. And what we, you know, I'm 51, 52 years old now, and, we, we sort of mm-hmm. grew up with this idea of, like, we have to have a pretty swing on plane, and you hit it nice and straight down the middle. Right. And, and I think you got to kind of shed that a little bit and really get athletic. That's, that's my first one. The other one would be use tempo. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad and I have uh, this tour tempo uh, concept that we've had for years, and it just helps golfers that you need to swing faster. We, we, we sort of, again, we grew up with this concept of low and slow, and – that Rory McIlroy, he doesn't swing low and slow. I don't know if anybody's watched him lately. No. <laughs> he went, you know, he just, right, he just won. But if you watch that swing, it doesn't look that fast. But if you put a stopwatch on it, it's take away to impact in less than a second. So, you know, those would be my two quick ones to just get you some instant um, uh, sort of speed or power is, is to get athletic and, and try a faster tempo. And, and you'll be surprised. You'll hit it just as straight. Yeah, and, and I think – you know, again, not to knock the equipment out there, and I'm talking about the, the club manufacturers, I think too many people think that they can go out and just buy their game. And so in other words, you know, we've gotten to this this mindset in society of instant gratification. So, well, you know, I want distance, so I'm going to go out and buy the latest, greatest driver or, or what have you. And, and, you know, it's nice to have those in the bag, 
Um, but if you don't do the things that you just pointed out, if you're not, you know, getting yourself more athletic, and that doesn't mean just hitting the gym and lifting a bunch of weights and that. There's there's obviously, you know, other th- factors involved, and, you know, we, we can get into that maybe another time. I'll have you come back and we can talk about that. Um, but, um, you know, too many people want to go out and sort of buy their game, and it's just not going to happen. You've got to put the work in. So uh, guys like Rory, as you mentioned, and, and uh, DeChambeau and that, you know, they put the work in. And I know that's not for everybody, and we're not all going to make it out on the PGA Tour, but, uh, you know, there's some things or steps that you have to take in order to get yourself in the shape that you need to to be able to get that extra distance. So let's talk about some of Bushnell's products. There's a lot of them out there. Uh, it just seems like every few months something new and exciting has come out. And one of the products I want to talk about is Bushnell's Tour V5 and the V5 Shift. So give us an overview of the V5 and the differences between that and the Shift. Sure. The V5 and the V5 Shift are our most popular series. They're at a great price point for everybody at $299 and $399. And the, really the only difference is, is that the V5 Shift has our patented slope technology, which is used by 99% of the PGA Tour, which is crazy, mind-boggling to think about that number. But, um, you know, that the slope technology gives you the percent up or downhill and then it'll give you the compensated mm-hmm. distance. So you're going to be able to really pick that club with confidence. But the V5 was uh, new in the last year and a half, and it basically built upon our best-selling Tour V4, and it's got more magnification. It's got much brighter field of view. Um, it's got something we call bite technology, which is in all of our products, and everyone loves that bite technology. It's a magnet that allows you to mount the unit on the cart bar. So when you kind of jump in and out mm-hmm. of the golf cart, it's right there. If, you're, if you've got a push cart or you're a walker, you can kind of mount it on the push cart. So that's another popular one. Um, the optics in it are amazing. The range is great. And like I said, the uh, V5 shift has that patented slope technology, which, by the way, you can turn off and still le- it will be legal for tournament play for most mm-hmm. tournaments. Right. And I think you know you, you touched on it, the clarity uh, and, and the you know crispness, uh, cri- crispness and brightness. Excuse me, that's tough words to put together. Say that um, fast, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Say that five, three times fast. Um, <laughs> as, I mean, the technology is just just incredible. And what's what I really like about about this is is when you're trying to get your distances. You know, typically in the past years ago, if you dial it back several years ago you know, you had to be really accurate to get it on the pin and so forth. But your technology has advanced so much that it's actually easier now uh, to, to, you know, get those numbers, if you will, uh, when you're trying to see how far away you are from the pin, right? I'm, gra- I'm so glad you brought that up because that brings up one of our best features, which I did not mention. I was saving it, obviously. Um, it's called visual jolt. <laughs> and what that right. what happens is, is like you said, Ten years ago, yes, it might have been a little bit difficult to actually capture that flag or to laser right on the golf flag. But in the, in the, the technology uh, advancements we've made, the innovations we've created, we've got this uh, – we came out with Jolt technology, which vibrates. The laser shakes in your hand when you hit the flag. And now we've added visual Jolt to that. So you see two rings light up in the reticle um, when you capture that flag. And it just is a – honestly, you, you get to where – you sort of become addicted to seeing that, feeling that, and you kind of know, okay, I'm ready to go. I got the exact. I mean, Bushnell's giving me the number. Now I gotta, I gotta hit that number. Mm-hmm. But at least I know that's right, and it's, it really is easy to hit that flag. 
Um, the other thing is you mentioned earlier that we want all want to go out, buy equipment, and get this instant gratification on a driver. Mm-hmm. With this V5 laser, you actually do get that instant gratification because you, you're <laughs> so easy to use and, and capture that flag. Right. Again, you still have to hit the shot, but uh, the visual jolt is absolutely fantastic. Well, and, and what, what's really great about this is not just for out in the golf course. This is something that you can use in a practice session as well. When you're out, out in the practice tee and you're out in the range, and obviously most of your ranges have several flag positions out there and greens that you can uh, hit to in that. So this gives you, an, you know, God love the golf courses, but sometimes the markers that they have are not always 100% accurate. So you're hitting an iron, you're thinking, okay, I've got 150 to that you know, that flag out there, well, of course, they're moving the, the T positions all the time, and it may not actually be 150 yards to so that flag that you're, or that green that you're trying to hit to. Um, so this is a, a device as well that we can take and, and get accurate. One of the things that we always try to, to get as, as teacher professionals is our students to understand how far they're hitting each of their clubs. And that's something exactly. that most amateur I golfers mean, have no idea. So this is a great practice tool as well as taking it out to the golf course, right? Oh, absolutely. And you see tour pros doing this all the time in their practice sessions. They even go set up towels. They laser the towels at 40, 50, 60, whatever the yardage might be. To your point, you're hitting on a driving range to all these different flags. And you may be hitting from a weird angle or a different tee than what the course has measured. Right. So you really want to know that exact yardage. Plus, we talked about the slope technology. If you're hitting on a range up or downhill, you can get that net yardage so you know how far you're hitting. And what I really like, and it's really has happened a lot in my career as, as a golfer, is I'll be on the range having a practice session. Let's say I'm dialing in a, a pitching wedge or a sand wedge, and I'm getting a certain yardage. And then you go out on the golf course, and you get that exact yardage or a very close yardage. You know what to feel and think for that swing. You know that you practice that shot, and you, ha- you sort of have it in your system. So um, golf really get, comes down to a game of distance and direction. And there's no reason you shouldn't have that distance dialed down with a Bushnell and using the laser rangefinder to really hone in on that and, and truly improve your game. Yeah, and, and I mean, it, it starts on the practice tee. I mean, you know, it's great to have these things out in the golf course, but you need to know your numbers, as I said, when you're on the practice tee and, you know, during a session. And this is something that your coach and you can both work together with and, and uh, you know, uh, he can help you as well. And I'm sure he'll love to, to try it. You know, try it out if he's not using it already. Um, you know, I'm sure he'll be happy to take it out of your hot little hands and give you those numbers uh, while you're hitting the balls. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a great product, and I really, really like it. And, and again, the technology is just changing so fast um, that I'm sure even you guys are amazed at every time, you know, you upgrade something from, you know, the V4, now you've got the V5, um, just the, the differences in technology and what's available now, and you guys have just really been on the forefront, um, unlike so many others. Um, all right, another great product as well, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, this is going to be coming available here next month sometime. Uh, you can maybe shed some light on that, and that's the Phantom 2 GPS. Tell us a little bit about what that product is, for those that maybe are not familiar with the, with the, the Phantom. Uh, what is the product? Uh, what does it do? And when exactly do you anticipate it being available? Sure thing. It's, it's called the Phantom 2. It's a handheld GPS, but it also has our uh, franchise feature, that bite technology. So it'll mount right there mm-hmm. on the cart for you. Um, compared to the original Phantom, it's got a bigger screen. It's got uh, larger numbers. It's got a much uh, longer battery life. It's got a couple new features that we love. One is Green View. 
and that allows you to um, move the pin around on the green and get exact distances um, through the GPS to different pin placements on the green. Um, it also has a feature that allows the GPS to sort of, if you hit it offline, it'll adjust the front center and back distances. So it's jam-packed with features. It's a, at a great price point, $129. It's going to come in four pretty cool mm -hmm. colors, and then that thing's going to be available in about three weeks. So it's going to be, you know, perfect gift for Father's Day. Um, interestingly right. enough, I've got, you know, I'm the Bushnell guy. I've got my lasers, but I like having a phantom on the cart <laughs> because then sometimes there might be a <laughs> GPS yardage I might want or need, or I might be right. 280, 90 yards out, and I just need to know, you know, I need to hit this somewhere, you know, uh, uh, you know, 150, 160 yards down the fairway. So um, just a fantastic product and at a great price point. Yeah, and, and again, you know, what's really nice is the ease of use of your technology that even those that are not as tech savvy can adapt very, very easily. Um, this is one of the problems with, unfortunately, with technology is, is some of it out there is very, very technical, very difficult to use and operate. You guys have done a great job because I've used your stuff before um, and, and still do. But, you know, you guys have done it in such a way that it's very, very easy for people to understand how to use it correctly and, and use it very easily and very efficiently. And that's important because if you're going to spend, you know, whether it be 199, 299, 399, as as you mentioned, the other product, uh, the V5s, you know, you want to know that hey, this is something I can take into the golf course and use very easily and very quickly. Um, you know, we don't want to slow up play, so we want to be able to get what we need, the information we need, and use the product effectively. And you guys have done a great job with that. I appreciate that. I really do. I mean, the whole point of technology is to make our lives simpler, not more complicated. And with Bushnell GPS, we right. do call it distance made simple. And you, you'll find it so easy. You turn the phantom on. It takes you to your course. You hit, okay, I want to play golf here. And then it goes to the first hole. And if you just need front, center, and back distances, it's going to have auto hole advance. So you never need to touch it again the whole round. So it's absolutely, like you said, you want it to be simple, and it really is. And I'm glad you mentioned that, too. The, the lasers, if you compare a Bushnell to any other uh, laser company out there, you'll notice the finer points are, are like the feel and the whole, the look of it and those types of things are better. But when you look inside, it's simple. It's crystal clear. It's just, yep. it's, it, uh, you know, everybody likes to think they're like Apple, but it feels very Apple-ish in, in that it's just a beautiful look, beautiful feel, and there's no clutter. And I think that's what you notice when you use a Bushnell product. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, I saved the best for last. Um, this is one i got to admit. I mean, I love all of your products. I think they're fantastic. But this one here uh, really caught my eye. And, of course, I'm talking about the wingman. And I really like the tagline that you have in, 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 uh, on your website, unleash your inner DJ on the golf course with wingman. I just love that. Tell us what the wingman is. It's not just what, what most people might think it is. There's a lot more to it. Tell us about the wingman. Oh, absolutely. It's been a home run product that we've all loved and had so much fun with. And, and that's what we wanted to do at Bushnell when we created the wingman. We wanted to inject a lot of fun into golf. But at the same time, we wanted to have that Bushnell accuracy and, and simplicity and those types of things. So what you've got with the wingman is a Bluetooth speaker. But here's the cool part. It has audible GPS. So it has a little... Right. <clears throat> 
has a little poker chip on top is what we call it that you can put in your pocket or keep on the unit. And when you press the button on the chip, the music will kind of turn down and then the little voice on there will say front 128 yards back da, da, da. and she'll she'll give you those uh those front center and back yardages through the speaker plus it's got the bite technology like all of our products and so it's sitting there on the cart the music's great the, the speaker is so high quality so good and so you've got mm-hmm. music you got audible gps and it's got a fun little feature if you double click it you can program it to say something so it'll say hey, you know, great shot or not great shot or whatever you want it to say. So right. home run product, a lot of fun, and unbelievably for $149 retail price point. Yeah, I, I think it's great. When I saw it, and I thought, okay, this is something different for, for Bushnell. And when I started digging a little bit further into the product itself and saw some of the other features, I thought, well, okay, this is a great you know, uh, speaker you know, setup, and I'm sure it's high quality in that. But when I looked at it, that it had the uh, audible GPS feature as well, and, of course, your, your uh, bite technology, I thought, okay, we're, now we're, we're getting somewhere. This is going to be kind of – and that's why I say it's a really cool uh, product um, you know, for, for anybody to get. And, again, at, at $149, um, it's, it's uh, very, very accessible for, for any golfer to get. Um, and it still gives them uh, the, the Bushnell technology, if you will, in it. And I just think it's a great product. You guys, like you said, it's a home run. And that comes, you can get a cool little case that it will fit into as well. And uh, all, all you need, to, I think the only thing to make it 100% perfect is to be able to have it programmed so you can push that button maybe a third time and the cart girl will come over. That's something, <laughs> yeah. just food for thought. Get a request from the clubhouse for your food or beverage. I love that. that we're gonna, okay, right, I'm gonna, right, exactly. I'm going to take that gotta, idea. I'm going to use that. I love yeah, that. I'm going to pass I, I that think, along. I think that would be exactly. Um, uh, you don't even have to give me credit for it, just maybe an honorable okay, mention right, or something. But, um, I love it. But, but, but you know, it, you know one just, other it, little feature amazing, can I really, mention on that? Yeah, sure. Please go ahead. It, it, okay, and so you know we've all got our phones out on the golf course. This thing is so powerful. If you charge it up, it will actually charge your phone on the course. So oh, wow. it's got a 10-hour battery life, and if it's charged up, it'll charge other devices while you're out there. So it's just got it all. It's it's just a great product. Well, and I really like the the, the fact, and you've you've been incorporating this in in your your newer products, not with this. Uh, you know the bite magnetic mounts because what what is yep. you know the one thing people don't want to have to do is keep digging for something and stuffing it in you know uh, you know let's be honest you know when you look at the golf carts and you're sticking it in the, the little uh, compartments and you know underneath there yep. and that is bouncing around you know or you got to stick it in your you know in your bag until the next time you need it and you're fishing for it all the time it's inconvenient so I like the fact that you guys said hey you know what uh, we got some metal here let's take advantage of it let's you know, buffer a magnet in here somehow so that they can just clamp it onto the side of the cart. And, and obviously it's a strong enough magnet that, you know, when you're hitting those bumps along the way in the fairway, it's not going to come popping off. So, um, I, you know, kudos to your team for putting that uh, idea in there as well. I think that's a great feature to have um, because you want it convenient. That's the other thing is you want to be fast, convenient out in the golf course, get the numbers that you need, get the yardages that you need, and be able to just, you know, carry on with the game and not have to spend a lot of time looking for things all the time. So, uh, again, kudos to your your technical staff for for putting that together. Uh, so, some great products that you guys continue to do. Um, we'll talk as we get a little bit closer to the end um, about maybe some other things that you guys are looking forward to uh, coming out with. Maybe 
I don't want to divulge any secrets, but maybe you can talk about some other things that you guys are, are thinking about for coming uh, in the near future. I want to talk to you because this is something that I think uh, is, is very exciting for the industry as well. Um, is obviously there's been some changes to the ruling, uh, and rangefinders mm-hmm. are now able to be used. Uh, in fact, even during major championship uh, golf events and that. What kind of impact have you guys um, seen or will you see as a result of this ruling change? I mean, we first see a positive impact on the ruling change. Just to be clear, it's, it's only the PGA of America's championships that are, are going to allow this. And, of course, almost all right. um, you know, state amateur events and stuff that's already legal. But, yeah, the PGA of America's championships – and, and obviously, the, the, there's a, the, the PGA is next week at uh, the Ocean Course. So um, we, we think it's going to have a positive effect. We think it's great. Um, the trend in electronic measuring devices has really gone towards lasers in the last 10 years. And Bushnell right. has 99% of PGA Tours, uh, Tour players using our, uh, our, our unit, specifically that Pro XE. Um, so... Mm. Um, we think it'll be great. You know, um, this is our best time of year for sales. So we couldn't ask for more as far as exposure and weather and sales and, and all those things all coming together. So we're excited about it. Yeah, I, I can imagine. And, and, you know, like I said, what, what's really nice about the Bushnell brand is that you guys have done a great job as, you know, advancements in, in technology are happening you guys are stepping up really quick, and I don't know how you do it, but you manage to do it and come out with products that are right on the cutting edge of, of what the current technology is. In fact, technically, you're probably a little behind because technology is changing so fast, it's almost impossible by the time it gets to market, something else is happening. But you guys are, are certainly faster than anybody else out there and, 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 and being you know that st- so step ahead, if you will. Where do you see technology going not specifically with your products but where do you see um sort of the next step with technology as far as bushnell's concerned what's going to be next what what do you see happening uh with future products i mean that's a great question and and you know we're always pushing the envelope we've been you know we bushnell invented the category way back in 1995 and we've had uh, pretty much every major innovation um in the category since then and, you know, we've got the Pro XE out there, and that unit is an amazing unit because it also takes into consideration air pressure and temperature. So I think what mm-hmm. you're going to see in, the, in this category is um, all these different elements, if you will, um, getting rolled into one unit and getting rolled into one easy um, access point, like we've talked about, simple and convenient and quick. Um, and so I think that's what you're really going to see as this, as this uh, heads into the future. And, uh, you know, we'll be right there leading the way. Do you see, um, you know, we hear so much talk now in, in sort of the technology realm of AI. And for those of you that aren't, haven't heard it, we're talking about artificial intelligence. Is that something that you can envision being a part of? Uh, the Bushnell brand, that, uh, brand excuse me, and, and somehow, and I, and I have no idea because I'm not a technical person to that level, but is that something that we're going to see uh, happening as things move forward in your, um, you know, your area of expertise? Do you see AI becoming a part of the Bushnell brand? You know, I think AI is going to take over in all 
aspects. And if Callaway can use it to make clubs, I'm sure we're going to find a way to use it to make a better golfer and a, and a better user experience as far as distance and those things are concerned. So I do see that being possible. And, you know, if you look out there with all the technology and the, in the tracking of um, club speeds and ball speeds and, um, you know, how far you hit each club, I think there's going to be all kinds of different ways to synergize between all these different technologies. And then AI could definitely mm-hmm. be a, a part of that. And, and that might be also based on what I mentioned earlier with the, with the elements feature um, as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I think you are going to see a melding of these technologies moving forward and, and AI could definitely be a part of that. What do you get when you go to work every day? What's the most exciting thing for you being part of Bushnell? What gets your juices flowing, if you will? You know, that's a great question. We've got an unbelievable team of guys <laughs> that just, I mean, not only are some of these guys unbelievable golfers, but the passion to, to just always be, you know, if I use that Kaizen term, how can we make this a little bit better? We're always looking to make it a lot better, but how can we make it a little bit better every day? Um, being around these guys and this team has just been awesome. And when I say guys, I mean guys and girls. Um, sure. So just just an awesome team. And then, like you said, you asked me at the very beginning of the show, you know, what? how did I get introduced to the game? And I think every golfer – that can work in the golf industry just has this, you know, what all golfers feel, you know, what all golfers want. They've got this burning in the the bottom of their belly to be better and to improve. And so um, I think those things are what drive us and really um, how can we, you know, continue to improve and and be better because not only as a golfer, but in, in what we do with Bushnell. Right. What do you think, you know, when we look at the demographics of golf, um, you know, uh, unfortunately, we've, you know, we've been going through this pandemic in the last year, and it's been very difficult for uh, a lot of people and obviously very tragic for, for others. Um, the one thing, the one shining light is for us is our industry has really noticed a bump um, in, in numbers all the way around from everything from rounds to being played by, by regular golfers uh, and obviously a lot of newcomers to the game. Um, but the one Achilles heel for golf is how do we tap into that youthful market, really get, you know, the millennials and the Gen X uh, or the Gen Zs, if you will, getting them Mm -hmm. out to the golf course. What role do you think? Because obviously we know, and there's a reason I'm going down this path, because, you know, you guys being sort of in the the forefront of technology in golf really have an advantage because that is something that they're very familiar with technology and, and advancements and they're very interested and very excited about what role if any do you see Bushnell playing in helping to really attract that younger demographic to the game because we have we have our seasoned golfers out there the 50 plus crowd and the 60 plus crowd um, but you know they're not going to be here forever eventually they're going to be gone we need to find a way to break that ice not everybody is going to make it out to the the PGA or the LPGA tour and not everybody maybe has aspirations of playing collegiate golf but there's a lot that are interested in the game, as we found out in 2020, that are willing to get out there. Do you see uh, a way that Bushnell is going to sort of be a leader in attracting that next generation of golfers? You know, absolutely. And I think that the, the product we mentioned earlier, that wingman, is, is a huge first step. That product is so fun and, and, and so, and, you know, makes it a great way to break the ice and go have kind of, you know, 
fun on the golf course and not so worried about score or hitting it great, but Hey, let's have some fun. Um, the other thing is the Bushnell app that we have out there for the, for the, uh, mm-hmm. that go with our products. I think this new generation is very into the apps and things like that. And how can I combine an app and a product? So I think anything we can do to, um, make it fun, combine those apps and products, those are going to be drivers to, for this younger generation. Um, and, I think all the, the industry is, is, is doing what they can, and, and Bushnell's trying to be par, part of it with those types of things. Right. And, and you know, you, you, you mentioned it here just a moment ago, and, and that is about making it fun. I think for too long, golf, you know, we've, you know it's, a, it's certainly a serious game, but at the same time, I think sometimes, you know, us older guys anyways, we forget to have fun. You know, we get out there, we're so, <laughs> yeah. you know, ginned up on on trying to have the perfect golf swing we're trying to you know look like tiger we're trying to look like you know uh DeChambeau and all, some of the other ones out there um but the truth of the matter is we're all different and in our quest for the perfect golf swing and the, and the perfect distance and so on and so forth you know we forget to have fun so i that's why i was really excited when i saw that some of the products and that that we were going to be talking about tonight and as you put it, that wingman really is something even for – I'm 57. I'm a few years older than you, but we're pretty much in the same group. Um, I'm even pretty excited about that. I think it's a great product, uh, as, as all the products that you have out there. But that one particularly kind of spoke to me because it reminded me, you know, when I was younger, I liked to listen to some good music. And to be yeah. able to take yeah. that out there and with the added – do you know what I'm saying? So – you know, I, again, I can see where the where the younger generation, particularly, um, is going to really grapple onto that and say, "Hey, you know what? Golf isn't just this stuffy old game that we thought it was. Um, there's some pretty neat, exciting stuff out there uh, that is appealing to us." And I think you guys are really, I think, are going to strike a chord uh, with that younger gener- generation with products like Wingman. What do you think? Absolutely, and I think we already have. I mean, the, the sales of this thing have been through the. I mean, they've gone through the roof. It's unbelievable home run. And I think to your point, we got to remember that this is a game. And you know, you and I came mm-hmm. from a generation where winning and shooting good scores was what was fun. And you yep. know, and that is fun. Don't get me wrong. I like to do that. But we also need to remember that hey, you know, you can go out and be with nature. And this is what we've seen during COVID: getting outdoors, taking a walk in nature you know, enjoying some good music. There's nothing wrong with that either, um, especially in light right. of what's gone on in the world in the last year and a half. So I think it, you know, our perceptions have, have been changed and shaped, and uh, the wingman can definitely be a part of it. I even think, I mean, no one ever talks about this, but this is something I do believe. Shooting a Bushnell laser is fun. I really enjoy sighting yep. it. You <laughs> hit the flag, you get the jolt. Um, it, it's It's it reminds me of like a Star Wars game or something where you're, you know, you're, you're lining, you're yeah. trying to hit this flag with a laser. It's pretty high technology when you think about it, but those types of things can bring people into the game. And, and uh, I, I think the more we can do to get the emphasis off of scoring and things like that, yep. especially for beginners and just go out there and enjoy yourself and have a nice walk in nature, then we can start to uh, do the other stuff later. I think that could be a real uh, game changer for the game of golf. Well, I think there's different level of golfers. I mean, you know, there's people that are just coming to the game. Uh, we all know, I mean, let's be honest, we know golf can be a difficult game. It's not an easy game to learn compared to some of the other sports out there. 
Uh, it takes a little more finesse, if you will. Um, but it, it's not impossible with a little bit of effort and, and so forth. And the more you practice, obviously, the better you can become. But it's you know smart practice. It's practicing with a purpose. But at the same time, you don't want to be out feeling like you have to grind it out you know, five days a week just to be able to hit the golf ball. And all the while, exactly. you're not really having a lot of fun doing that. You're right. So you want to be able to make it an interesting and fun uh, time and experience. And I think this is what the gener- you know, the younger generation. The other thing too is, you know, who says we have to play 18 holes every time? There you go. Um, exactly. You know, there's there's nine holes. Uh, now there's even some courses that are offering six holes. Um, you know, because uh, again, as you know, even though technology in many ways is making our lives easier. Um, we're busier in other ways and other areas that we don't always have a lot of time. So, you know, playing a four to six hour round, depending on where you are, uh, is not always conducive, especially for the younger generation. They have other things to do. Golf is not, you know, it's not the same as, as our generation and, and beyond um, that grew up maybe playing golf. These folks, you know, these youngsters are new to the game and they may not want to commit four to six hours at this stage of their, their life, maybe later on. So we have to find ways of, of engaging them and saying, hey, this is something that can be fun and, and interesting and exciting, um, and here's some products that can help you achieve some of that. And you know what? Don't worry about the score. Let's just have some fun while we're out there in the golf course. And then as time goes on, once they've kind of been bitten by that bug like you talked about earlier, then they're going to say, you know what? Hey, I really do like this, and I want to really work on my game. I want to get better. I want to improve. And then, again, they've got these great products that are going to help complement and achieve that goal as well. And I think that's really what you guys have done extremely well in the industry. Well, appreciate that and 100% agree with what you said. And, you know, one thing I've always said about Bushnell is one size fits all, meaning that, this, the, you know, the V5 can be for a beginner, can be for a top-level player. The wingman can be literally for everyone. Um, the, fa- the phantom mm-hmm. can be for a beginner or uh, like my, you know, a top level player where you're just wanting to have some extra distances. And so um, they're simple. Um, there's no, there's no shaft flex. There's no sizing, if you will. So it's right. another reason that Bushnell makes a great gift, you know, because um, it, 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 it literally is one size fits all. You kind of need to figure out which best fit for you, but um, there really is something for everybody in a, in a way to make, make things, like you said, hundred percent fun. Yeah, and that's the key thing is we want to get back to, to having fun. And I think the more appealing you can make something um, like golf that traditionally has, has been a more traditional game, uh, you know, again, to, to the older generation, um, you know, the, the, the younger generation look at things a little bit differently than what you and I did growing up. So, you know, you have to find things that are going to be appealing to them. So if we, you know, we've heard for decades now about growing the game, and I've talked to many people about this, and really to grow the game, we have to be not afraid of making some changes. That doesn't mean that you know traditional golf suddenly you know falls by the wayside, um, but there's a role and there's a place for technology that you know such as yours and Bushnell and, and other things as well um, that can appeal to a different market. So you know let's have room for everybody um, at every level and aspect of the game, from the tour players right down to the novice golfers. There's something in there for everybody, and I think what you've done with your products is you've done exactly that. You've put it out there for the highest caliber player. There's something out there for them, but there's some stuff there that's kind of neat and cool, and I like to use that word cool uh, for some of our more novice golfers that are just sort of getting their feet wet, and I think you guys have done a great job. Absolutely, and we've got those price points as well. Like you said, 
that, that allows somebody to get into the wingman for $149 and then all the way up to the what the PGA Tour players use, that Pro XC for $549. And so um, you're 100% mm-hmm. spot on with what you said, and I appreciate all the kind words for Bushnell. Not a problem. So what do you see coming down? Is there anything that maybe a, a, a sort of a sneak, a, a lifting of the of the curtain, if you will, that you can share with us that you're not going to be giving away any trade secrets, but I uh, certainly don't want you to do that. But is there anything that you know of that's going to be coming down later this season that we can talk about, or is that going to be maybe for another show? That's probably going to be for another show. They've got me on all these NDAs. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I will say this. I'm always, whenever we come out with a new laser, I'm like, how are we going to make this one better than – Somehow we do. We 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 all get together and we uh, we figure it out. But no, yeah, I, I don't have anything to unveil now. But yeah, maybe later in the year we can talk. All right. Well, because uh, I'm I'm sure you know uh, there'll be some things coming uh, out. Uh, uh, hopefully, we're going to have a little more of a normal uh, PJ show uh, for next next time. Uh, the virtual one was uh, was not really uh, something that <laughs> you know. I mean, we had to do. Yeah, I won't even go there. Yeah. But you know, obviously, yeah. there, the, nothing beats you know getting together in, in person and and seeing all of the stuff there. It's a little difficult to do on on a Zoom call, but um, but I'm sure you guys, in addition to what you currently have out, maybe have a few things that you're working on, and hopefully we'll be uh, ready for then. And and I hope you'll come back at that time and, and share some of that. So um, we, we got a, a few more minutes left, and um, I don't want to quite let you go yet. Um, I think we've covered a lot of the Bushnell stuff. So let's talk about, you know, from the teaching aspect and, 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 and some of the things that you're passionate about. Again, you know, long drive and that. I'm going to give you the floor for a few minutes. What is it about golf that you really, really enjoy? What is it that it does for you, unlike maybe something else in, in sports? Wow, that is a, that's a deep question and a tough question. <laughs> and and I, I think what it is with golf is that there's this uh, – you you never Tiger I think is quoted by saying this and he may have heard it from someone else but you never own it or if you do you're renting it for mm-hmm. a day or two um, and so there's always yep. this quest to get better um, with the advent of launch monitors now um, and even with your Bushnell laser back you know 10 15 years ago you could say oh I hit my nine iron 145 I wonder would I be better if I hit it 150 <laughs> you know or on a mm-hmm. launch monitor yeah. you know I hit you know my clubhead speed was this I wonder if I can get it to that. Or my face angle was this. I guess if I got it to this, I'd hit it straighter. So there's this, there's this um, never-ending quest to improve. Like when you go play tennis, you don't know how fast your serve was. You, you, there's no, like, you know, there's no right. range in front of to tell you how far you were. There's none of this stuff. Now, obviously, maybe for Roger Federer at the highest level, they've got that. But I'm talking at the, the average game. Sure. Um, and all this technology is available to every golfer. And so um, you may not own the launch monitor or whatever, but you're, 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 you've got access to it. So I think there's this, this just amazing quest to improve and get better. And, and what you see nowadays is that some golfers do want to score well, but there's other golfers, they want to make a better swing or they want to hit, just hit it farther, and that will make them happy. And, um, you know, my niche, niche or specialty has is, is been speed. Um, I found I, that was where I was a long time ago, and it's very in vogue now. But um, I was always about, always, always about the speed, and can I, um, what can I do to increase it, and and it also be safe on the body. So um, it's it's just such a cool game because there's something for everybody, and and I haven't even mentioned the short game, and there's so much to the short game, so much nuance there, and and the same type mm-hmm. of thing of of um, 
you know, can you sort of own your short game and putting and these types of things. So um, it's just an amazing game with so many different facets. And, and for me, it's about that, that quest to improve. And, and, and like I said, it's always been about the speed. As I mentioned earlier, you have uh, a number of different certifications, obviously with TPI and, and other uh, groups as well. And uh, speed was, was one of them that, you know, this is an area that I think, unfortunately, a lot of amateurs make the mistake. They think that the best way to speed is, uh, or power or distance is to hit the gym and, and you know, bulk up and, and, and so forth. That's really not the case. I mean, obviously, we want to be fit. And, and as you mentioned earlier, you know, athletic is going to help. What are some things that you know um, people can be doing? I want you to maybe give a tip or two. Um, to help increase that speed uh, and increase that power the right way. Sure. Because you obviously compete yeah, in a long, and you long drive. Going and, and I'm sorry for getting away from up. Bushnell. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry to get away from Bushnell, but I, I wanted to give you an opportunity because I know it's another area that you specialize in well, so I wanted to give you a couple of minutes oh, to talk no, about fine. that. But it's all good. Yeah. Um, one of the things, the point go you ahead. made about the gym is really important. People think if I go in the gym and get stronger, I'm going to hit the ball farther. That's not necessarily true. It can help you. It can definitely be a piece of it. But if you go to this gym and get, and get stronger and bigger and lose flexibility, it might actually slow you down. So that's not always the, the, the best path to do it. But if you, you, know, you ask me for some specific things, and I have this concept I call more load in less time. And what I see is golfers get older, the swing gets shorter. When the swing gets shorter, the swing gets slower. And so um, if you can get more load into the four specific segments of your swing, you're going to get uh, – you hit the ball farther. And those four segments are your hips, your shoulders, your arms, and your wrists. And so if you can get more hip turn, more shoulder turn, hands higher in the air, and more wrist set. And, and if you think about it, think about the longest – who was the original long ball, baller on tour? John Daly. That's sort of what he did. Right. And Tiger, even, you know, he, he kind of destroyed his back a little bit, but he also, he really loaded up every segment. Those hands were so high, right? But the other key to this mm -hmm. is it, when you load these segments is you've got to do it fairly quickly, i.e. Rory McIlroy. And so right. if you're going to make a slow, short backswing, you're going <laughs> to hit a slow, short golf ball, so to speak. And so loading up those right. segments, doing it quickly, that's going to be get you some speed. Now, the next question is, well, you know, am I too stiff to do it? Most people I've found can get some extra turn just by lifting that left heel if you're a right-handed golfer. Yep. And then you do yep. have to work on, you know, getting the arms in the air and things like that. But just getting that load up is so important for – or getting that load increased and doing it in just a little bit less time, which is that faster backswing, um, that's really going to help. A ton. If you look at like Ben Hogan, he had a fast backswing. Tiger, um, all these long hitters on tour. John Daly, uh, he, he's the ultimate example because he really was kind of the original long oh, yeah. hitter out there. Um, so that that's just a great tip for anybody to try. And even if you can't get all four of those, if you just get a little more hip turn or get your hands a little higher. I was watching the PGA Tour today. A player, Will Zalatoris, hits it a long way for his size. His hands are so high at the top of the backswing. Yep. And a lot of the guys that I work with or see, their hands are they're not even above their head. And so, you know, you're trying to hit a driver with a, with a half golf swing, and you're just not going to create a lot of speed from there. 
So um, that would be a huge way to get some quick speed increase and do it quickly. And it, it's not going to make you hit it crooked or anything like that because you should be able to keep on playing and keep the club face square. So um, it, it could be a definite pathway to speed. Yeah, and, and lifting the left heel, uh, the left uh, heel up is is a, a great way, or your left foot. Um, yeah, is a great way, to, especially for the older golfers, because again, they don't have the same flexibility as a twenty or thirty year old. Um, you know, you're not going to see that happening. Uh, you're not going to see a John Daly swing, you know, down at the villages in Florida. Um, so <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, exactly. Um, so, so I mean, you, you know, you've got to find ways, and, and you're right. You know, trying to bulk up because the, the, the golf swing is different. The muscles that we're using, obviously, we're using some big muscles, but they're smaller muscles as well. And if you're bulking everything up at the gym, this is where I see a lot of, particularly guys. The girls seem to, you know, when I look at the LPGA players, not, you know, uh, they've obviously got a lot of flexibility in that, but they they do things right. They're not out there trying to, you know, bulk themselves up, which I know is a little bit harder for 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 women uh, compared to men, but. Uh, but again, they're doing things that they understand, uh, uh, you know, generating that speed, that club head speed, uh, if they want to get more power. And as you said, taking a, a you know, increasing the, the distance that they're taking the club back as well, but doing it right. So there's a lot of great exercise out there. And just a real quick side note before I let you go uh, about John Daly. Um, several years ago when he was still uh, in his prime, uh, he was up at the Canadian Open at Glen Abbey. And uh, I was, of course, there. And um, he was on the practice tee. And he pulled out his wedge, and I know you've watched him many, many times, so you, you'll know what I'm going to say probably. Uh, but he took his wedge, uh, there was a, just off to the, to the left side, there was a small green that they would you know, putt and chip to and things. And he would take, he was on the one end, and he would take his, his uh, I believe it was his lob wedge that he might have had, and he would take that full swing, his hands would be as high as they were for the driver, and I, when I first did it, I, I looked and I said to my friend that was there, I said, what is he going to do? I mean, he's going to hit that ball a mile. And he just gingerly brought that club down and hit this high shot that went, I thought it was going to ricochet off the moon and come down and just trickled onto that green. And he was only about seven and a half feet from that green when he did it. And he took a full swipe at that with his wedge. That just shows you the talent of somebody like John Daly. And what was interesting was he took that club back as far as he would take that back for his driver with a wedge. He he did that Just, almost all swings, even when he was hitting a half shot. I like know, his, you know, hitting his, into the wind <laughs> or something. He would. He, 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 that's a great story, and he, he was amazing. That just is mind-boggling. This guy. Just absolutely amazing. You know, one last thing on the on the swings. Sure. You know, one of my favorite Canadian swings is Jamie Sedlowski, and. Jamie is a two-time world champion, and he embodies that idea of more load, less time. The hands are high. And, yep. I mean, he's not a big guy. and just absolutely kills it. So um, great stuff from the Canadians there. Yeah, and, and he did that for, you know, John did that for several minutes, so much so that many of the other tour players that were out there practicing at that time actually stopped and walked over behind him just to watch him do yeah, it but and i mean he did one after another they would just trickle up you know up next to the holes that were on there and he just did it and it was just amazing i've never seen anybody do anything like that i mean i've seen them on the long and they actually had and one last thing i'm going to share uh they had it at that time a trailer that was set at the far end of the range and it was at least 300 yards out there and i don't know what the purpose was for it but they headed out there uh i guess one of the marshals or something and John was at one point in one of the practice 
sessions that he was out there before the tournament was ricocheting the balls with his driver off the side of this trailer that they eventually had to come out and ask him to stop doing that because he was putting dents in the side of the, inside of the trailer God, and hitting them out that far. That's awesome. and that, Love it. And, and, you know, it wasn't amazing that he could hit the trailer, you know, given the size of it because it was a big target. It was the fact that at that time, and we're going back probably almost, you know, 18, maybe almost even 20 years, uh, is it was over 300 yards away from the players. So you know he was cranking it pretty good at that point to be able to hit that trailer from that far um, at that time. And, you know, technology is even more. Now these guys are hitting at 350 and plus but um, on tour. But um, just a, a, a interesting and, and um, little little side note uh, on John Daly. But, uh, John, I want to thank you for, for, uh, for coming on tonight and talking about that. And I would love to have you come back on as – as new things, uh, you know, uh, sure. unravel yeah, at Bushnell, I would love, love to back yeah, on. We'll definitely talk later this year. And uh, I would also love you maybe come back and talk a little bit more golf in general and talk about speed and, and whatnot. Anything you want to talk about, you're welcome to come back. But I really appreciate you sharing that. And just very quickly, if people want to get more information on some of the Bushnell products, where can they go? Yeah, absolutely. You're going to go to bushnellgolf.com. This is going to be your best place. And, you know, all the products that are there and, you can find a retailer near you or you can order on the site. It's all ready to go. And BushnellGolf.com is the place to go. Okay. And the Phantom 2, you said it roughly three weeks it's going to be available? Yes. It'll be out uh, right around June 1st and, uh, you know, just in time for Father's Day. Perfect. Hey, can't think of a better gift. Well, John, thank you very much again for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. I enjoyed the conversation and much continued success, and I look forward to seeing what else is new uh, coming down the pike at Bushnell Golf. Thank you very much for joining me this evening. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Take care. You, you too. Bye-bye. All right. That was my very special uh, guest, John Novosel, uh, sales and marketing consultant for Bushnell Golf, and uh, great, uh, great products. Um, and uh, if you visit their website, bushnellgolf.com, uh, you can see all of the products that we talked about tonight and many of their other products uh, that have been out on the market for a little while, but uh, some great stuff, always new stuff coming out there. And I really uh, you know, mean what I said earlier is that they are really in the forefront of technology uh, in, in the products that they've uh, brought out there. There's a great company and um, glad to and excited to see uh, some of the new stuff that they're coming out with and going to be interesting to see what's going to be coming down the pike in over the next couple of years as well as technology, as we mentioned, continues to change. So uh, thank you, John. Thank you, uh, Paul Castor and Clint Wright, for joining me earlier on the Coach's Corner panel. Thanks, guys, for always bringing your best. And uh, thank you for tuning in each and every week. I uh, appreciate it, and uh, thank you for your continued support. And uh, for those of you that maybe are tuning in a little bit later uh, in the broadcast and didn't get to hear some of the earlier uh, segments of it, if you go to uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash golftalklive and scroll down to the on-demand section, uh, you will see all of the previously aired shows. Uh, tonight's will be up there in just a few moments uh, once it finishes compiling and once I get off the air, uh, it will be available too. So you can go back and listen to that. Um, God bless everybody. Have a great week, and I'll see you next week right here on Golf Talk Live. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. 
We'd like to thank this week's Coach's Corner panel, and a special thank you to tonight's guest. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. And be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on Golf Talk Live, send Ted an email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.